from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God.
must be Christmas. <laughs> Friends, good evening. My name is Tony Sundermeyer. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta. Welcome to worship on this Christmas Eve night. We're so thankful to be together in this space where it kind of feels like COVID Christmas 2.0, but much different than last year when we had numbers all over the place and reservations. I'm thankful that we're through that. But we're also mindful that we're not through it entirely. Uh, we know that many are joining us via live stream, and I want to welcome you all tonight as well. My hope and prayer is that you feel just as connected to worship tonight as if you were here uh, in this sanctuary. Uh, whether we're in person or worshiping remotely, God is with us. And the news that we celebrate this night is that a light has come into this world. Once again, we're, we're reminded that this light has moved toward us and that his name is Jesus Christ. And because his light burns brighter than any light, we don't have to be afraid that we can trust him and follow him for our lives and for the life of the world. Thanks be to God that we have a place like First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, this beautiful sanctuary, where we can come and praise God. May we do that with our whole selves this night. For God meets us. Even the Christ is in our midst. A reading from Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. A reading from Luke's Gospel. 
In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Reading from the Gospel of Luke. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. Let us pray. Lord, we know this story. We've heard it in years past. We've heard it again tonight. But we would ask, by the power of your Spirit, that we could embrace it afresh. That it could come over us in a way that changes us. Or that we might hear it in a way that we've never heard it before. Even to hear your voice speaking to us through this story. We'd ask you to do just that. In the name of Jesus, the Christ, we pray. Amen. In the second chapter of Luke, the seventh verse, there is a passing line about an inn that has no room for the Holy Family. It's really quite brief, but I know that you have never seen a Christmas pageant without an inn and an innkeeper. It's sort of a passing comment in the text as Luke tells it to us, and yet it has so much power, doesn't it, in our own imagination. A Christmas pageant or the Christmas story wouldn't be the same without the inn and the innkeeper, we saw it again this past Sunday with our children's Christmas pageant here at First Pres, and the inn set up right over here, and, and the Holy Family coming, and a stern-looking innkeeper wagging their finger and saying, no, 
go to the stable. As it says, it came time for Mary to give birth, and she bore a son, and she laid the child in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The great mystic Thomas Merton likes to think about this single line. He likes to think about it in a way that applies it to the world and applies it to our own lives, that we have the chance each and every Christmas Eve to hear this story afresh and do something different than the innkeeper did those 2,000 years ago. Instead of saying, no, go away, we have the opportunity to say, yes, come in. And that's what this night is all about. The opportunity that is in front of us once more to say yes to the Christ child. Yes to God. Yes to the one who says, I want to come in to your world and to your life and make a home there. On a night like tonight, we have the opportunity to do things differently than the innkeeper did 2,000 years ago. We have the opportunity to say to Christ, come in and abide with me. About a year ago, uh, one of our community ministry volunteers who gave me permission to tell this story but asked that I leave his name out. He was ministering to some folks living under a bridge in Vine City near the Bluffs, and he met a man named Stan. And Stan had been living under the bridge for 25 years. He had been living there for so long that people who also stayed in and around uh, that bridge called it Stan's Bridge. They named it after him. When this volunteer met Stan, he immediately recognized some cognitive challenges and assumed that he had some sort of head injury at some point in time or a stroke in the past that, that left some permanent damage. Stan spoke slowly, and his response time was somewhat delayed. His memories of his past and of his history were also a bit discombobulated. Stan, where are you from? I think I'm from Indianapolis. Where in Indianapolis? Honestly, I don't know. I can't remember. Do you, do you have an ID? No, I, I have nothing. Well, what about family, Stan? Do you have any family that you know about, that you're connected to? I have some, but I haven't seen them in quite some time. I don't know if they're dead or alive. As many of you know, one of the ministries of our congregation is securing personal documents, IDs and birth certificates for those who have lost them or simply don't have them. So this volunteer brought Stan to our campus, brought him to the church, and he met with one of our staff members, Marie, who began the process of helping him acquire his birth certificate. So Stan could remember his name, he could remember his birth date, but he could not remember his mother's maiden name, a prerequisite for securing a birth certificate in Marion County, Indiana. So when Marie was on the phone with uh, the government workers in that county, they said they had his birth certificate, but they could not release it unless he could confirm his mother's maiden name, and they simply didn't know it. They didn't have it. So our volunteer got creative, and he created a Facebook page for Stan. 
He took some pictures. He threw them up. He put some personal information. He also took out a a Craigslist ad with some tags that would be seen in the Indianapolis area, trying to make any connections through the Internet, through anybody that might come and see his name or recognize his picture or recognize his family. One day, our, our volunteer was visiting Stan at the bridge, and he brought a map of Indianapolis, and he put it out in front of him, and he said, Stan, do you recognize any street names on this map? And, and Stan stared at it for about five minutes, and all of a sudden, his eyes lit up, and he said, Kenwood, Kenwood, I, I know Kenwood, I remember Kenwood, and, and so our volunteer found Kenwood Avenue and, and put his finger on it, and he started to trace it and heading south to where he came on a, a portion of the map where it listed the neighborhood. It said Old South Side. And Stan said, yes, South Side. That's where I'm from. He said, I, I remember growing up in a house that was across the street from a church Do you remember the name of the church stand? I think it had the name Calvary in it. He looked on the map, and sure enough, in teeny tiny print with a little steeple was the words South Calvary Baptist Church. He said, Stan, is this your church? He said, yes, South Calvary was my church. So the volunteer went home, immediately got on his computer, and he Googled South Calvary Baptist Church. There was no website, only an address and a phone number and a picture on Google Maps. And so he called the the number for the church, and he got the voicemail. He introduced himself, and he said, Pastor, I work with folks experiencing homelessness in Atlanta, and I befriended someone who's who's trying to get home to Indianapolis, but he doesn't have an ID, and we can't secure his birth certificate because he doesn't know his mother's maiden name. His name is Stan. He gave him his last name. He said, would you ask your congregation if anybody in the church or in the neighborhood knows him? A few days later, after not hearing a word from the church or from the pastor, the volunteer called again. He left another message. He said, Pastor, it's the guy from Atlanta again calling. Please, please, would you return my call? A couple days went by. No call from the pastor of the church. He called once more, and he said, please call me back. Stan matters to me, and he should matter to you. The pastor finally called back and relayed that he hadn't picked up the message because the office was closed during COVID time. Remember that? After the volunteer told him the whole story, the pastor agreed to inquire with members from the congregation about whether they knew Stan or anyone in his family. A few days later, the pastor called the volunteer and said, you're not going to believe this. I was on a prayer conference call on Friday night with about 15 of our church members. As an aside, only Baptists meet on Friday night for prayer. (laughs) And the pastor said, "I, I brought up Stan's name and asked that our prayer group would pray for him. And did anyone know him or his kin? And one of the oldest members of our church said, Pastor, 
I know him. I remember him when he was a, a little boy and he, he lived a, a, across the street from the church. And then another older member said, yeah, I, I knew his mommy and his daddy and his aunts and his uncles. And she proceeded to give them their names, listing them one by one. The pastor said to the volunteer, Stan's niece is about to call you. Keep your phone on. Don't miss it. Sure enough, the phone rang. The woman on the other end identified herself as Stan's niece. She said, the pastor told me that you found my uncle living in Atlanta. How do I know it's really him? He said, well, go check out his Facebook page. She said, he has a Facebook page? He said, we just set it up recently. And he could hear her going onto her computer. And in a matter of moments, she said, that's him. Hallelujah, that's, that's him. That's my uncle. She said, stay with him. Do not leave his side. We are coming right now to bring him home. She said, my daddy died looking for him. My grandparents died looking for him. They even hired a private detective to search him out. They had a lead that he was in Atlanta, but all they came up with was a 20-year-old mugshot and an old hospital record from Grady. He's been missing for 37 years. Keep him there. We're coming. Within a few hours, she and another relative got in the car and made the eight-hour trip to Atlanta. And they arrived at Stan's Bridge as fast as they could. They jumped out of the car and they embraced him. And with tears in her eyes, Stan's niece said, Uncle Stan, do you want to come home with us? Do you want to come home with us? And Stan started to cry. And said, yes, yes, I do. The story of Christmas is a story of a God who knows exactly where we are and knows exactly what we're going through, knows the grief and the burdens and the expectation and the loss and the hope that we carry, even that which we carry into this worship service tonight. And this God continually moves toward us in grace and acceptance and love. The story of Christmas is the story of a God who knows the inconsistencies and the ambivalence of our faith, knows our doubts, knows that even now some of us feel disconnected from God, even though some of us feel like we want to leave God behind or we've left God behind, that was for something in our past, that God still moves toward us. Perhaps even those who have given up some semblance of faith are part of participating in worship. God moves toward you too. God desires to be in relationship with God's creation, with you and with me. The Christmas story is about a God who works for our good through the circumstances of our lives, that is at work in mysterious and quiet and loud ways, 
moving in our lives to redeem us, working for good and wholeness. A God who is still on the move, even today in 2021. A God who's on the move toward us no matter how long we've wandered, no matter how long we feel like we've been missing, no, how many, no matter how many years we've been living under the bridge, regardless of what we've forgotten, regardless of what we've ignored, regardless of what we've done and what we've left undone, even regardless of what we believe and what we don't believe. It's a story about a God who makes the drive to bring us home. Like Stan's family who came to get him, Christ comes to welcome us. And the God of the universe enters human history in and as the person of Jesus Christ and makes a way for us to find our place with God and our place with ourselves and our place with our neighbors and this church and this city and this world. This God makes a way for us to be forgiven, restored, and renewed. This God makes a way for fear to be replaced with love, futility replaced with hope, and nihilism replaced with purpose and meaning. We're like the innkeeper, and we have a chance to do it differently than they did. For Christ knocks once again, and perhaps we hear that knock most clearly, most acutely on a night like tonight when we're more vulnerable, when we're more open, when we're ready to sing the songs and hear the story. Maybe tonight is the night we open the door for the first time or again for the thousandth time that we would receive him as he comes to us, that we would really find our home and our place with this Christ child. He comes again for you and for me. Thanks be to God that he calls us each home by name. Amen.